Welcome to the Holistic Health Podcast, beautiful humans. If a professional, polished, well-edited podcast is what you're after, then move right on. If, however, you love unfiltered banter, unedited bloopers, authentic heart sharing, and a very generous dash of holistic health education, then you're in the right place. Well, hello there, friends. Welcome back to the Holistic Health Podcast. It's Nat here, and I am currently solo as Amy is having a break from this week's episode. Don't worry, we will be back together sharing all of the fun things next week. However, today it's just me. Hopefully that's okay. We're just going to roll with it, right? I hope you all have had such a fulfilling and restorative break. And if you haven't, then I'm sure that you're ready and signed up to this podcast episode. And even if you have, I hope you're here and ready to learn some of the strategies that, well, let's be honest, I feel like I had to learn the hard way. And I know I'm not alone in the burnout train. I think that Almost every client that I speak to or have spoken to uh, to date, maybe perhaps even more so in the last couple of years, has reached a point of burnout at one or more times in, in their life. And I think that there's the layer on top of that where we're in a society that really glorifies busyness and hustle culture. And I'm definitely not immune to that. I'm also someone who tends to have pretty good uh, energy and is a bit of a quote unquote go-getter. So I definitely have, uh, yes, become very friendly with burnout at times in my life. However, what I know to be true is that you can you know, go after your dreams, chase your goals, have a great social life, do many of the things that you want to, and also not get to a point of burnout. So what I want to share with you today is my three top tips around avoiding burnout in 2023 without necessarily having to lock yourself up in a room or just go on a retreat for a year. I mean, if you are going on a retreat for a year, please call me and I would love to come. But I'm going to bet that most of us are back into the swing of day-to-day life and that 2023 is going to throw us many amazing moments and many really challenging moments as life tends to just period. So the first thing I would love to share with you as far as avoiding burnout goes is to learn to identify your signs that that's coming. And I do think that This varies for everyone. I think that what we need to get really good at is self-awareness and not just self-awareness, but actually listening to and honoring whatever comes up from there rather than dismissing it or just soldiering on, particularly if that's been a habit for you for quite some time or if it's just the learned habits from society or the people around you. So maybe it would be helpful, I'm going to bet it will be, if I give you some examples of what getting to your burnout free kind of area would look like. So it could be things like starting to reach for coffee more or for more coffees or recognizing that you've become that person who's like, I definitely cannot function without my coffee. 
Um, You might be starting to get more irritable. You might notice that you are breath holding. So what I mean by that is literally you like throughout the day, if you observe your breath, you might actually catch yourself holding your breath more so than not, which is definitely a sign of an overactivated sympathetic nervous system. Also, if you're, it can manifest for some people as feeling quite like bitter or resentful. Uh, it might manifest as anxiety for you or a, a sense of feeling really unsettled and like you can't calm down or unplug or just chill out. The other thing that may happen is you may find that you actually are someone who starts to really withdraw, either that either socially or just emotionally from life and people around you when you're starting to get to that point where you've reached your limit. It might be that you start to take more naps or feel really big energy fluctuations or dips um, throughout the day. It might be that whatever your kind of I don't want to say weaknesses, but I don't have another word at the moment. We all have certain areas of our health that are our kind of pain points. So for you, it might be that, you know, you've got your skin as your weak spot, or it might be your hormones or your periods. It might be that you're really sensitive to changes in your sleep. It might be your digestion, whatever it is for you. It could be if you have an autoimmune condition, you might get autoimmune flares, so psoriasis flares or flares in things like rheumatoid arthritis or whatever it may be. Um, So really noticing whether or not those are becoming more frequent or more intense or yeah, they're just popping up more than more than usual. So that's definitely step one or tool one is self-awareness and knowing your unique signs as to when your body is reaching its limit, regardless of what that looks like. So not trying to compare it to on paper, what quote unquote should your limit be or what should you be able to handle or have in your life before getting to that point, just accepting that it is what it is and having an observation of that. The next thing I would say is having a regular way to self-check in and also discharge emotions. And my advice with this, and I will expand in a minute in case you're like, all right, I'm out. What did you just say? Um, So what I mean by this is that a regular way to self-check in is simply a way to implement the first step that I just shared there around identifying your signs. So if you're not looking for them, I betcha you've become really bloody good at ignoring them. And so what we actually want to do is have a regular check-in time or space to see and be able to receive the feedback that our body and or mind is giving us. So for me, I'll give you an idea of how I do this, is that every morning I go for, and this might look different for you, so please don't feel like you have to do what I do, but I'm just giving you an example here. I go for a walk or a surf or a swim, mostly a surf or a walk, and I don't take any phones. Um, I try not to take too many people with me. (laughs) I know that sounds really unfair, but I try and be alone for at least part of it to allow myself to just like check in, get a bit of a feel. How is my body feeling? What's on my mind? You know, how charged is my nervous system feeling without the distractions of social media, conversation, podcast, music, whatever it may be. 
The other thing that I tend to do, and um, this isn't as regular um, as the morning routine for me, is at nighttime, I will just try at some point in the evening during my wind down routine is just actually sitting in stillness and silence, even if it's just for five minutes, just to go, okay, like, how is my body feeling? I've kind of had a really busy day. I've had lots of conversations. Some of them might've been happy conversations. Some of them might've been heavy conversations. Um, Just how does my body feel and what what does it need from me right now? Rather than going straight to diving into distraction with TV or food or conversation or more social media scrolling. I am not against any of those things. In fact, I watch Netflix, I scroll on my phone and I eat food uh, and do all those things as well. I just don't do them in replacement of actually checking in. So that's another way that you could do it, but you can do it at any point in the day. And what I always encourage my clients to do as often as possible is have a body up approach or a body out approach. So what I mean by a body up approach is rather than trying to think your way through how am I feeling, I encourage people to get back in their body and go, how, like, what does my body feel like? And then move to the mind space of, I guess, making observations or judgments or not judgments, observations, I guess, of what that might mean. So one really key way to to do that is having some kind of, again, regular practice where you're checking in with your body. And another thing that I really encourage you guys to do, I've kind of squeezed two things in one here, but another thing that I do very regularly, pretty much daily, is I have a way to discharge emotion. And I don't care what the emotion is. It's not about, oh, well, I, you know, I only need to do these things if I'm feeling angry or if I'm feeling ragey. This is really just about we all accumulate emotion through the day, especially in the kind of days that most of us are leading where they can be quite full and also full of other people's energy. And so having a really regular way to discharge any emotion that hasn't been able to be fully processed or left your body um, on a daily basis, if possible, is so helpful because it, I find personally, it reduces the likelihood of me getting to that point when, oh, I'm sure we've all been there. When like you you just have had several conversations, several things happen, whatever it might be, no matter how minor they are, and you can just almost feel the tension and the tightness and the constriction building in your body. And then whatever it happens to be that the last thing that happens, it tips you over the edge and it's usually someone you love just saying something completely innocent and not intended to be, you know, to be an attack at all. All of a sudden you've like, exploded all over them and suddenly you've now discharged all this emotion onto someone else who probably doesn't deserve it and the reaction is probably not proportionate and I know most of you listening are pretty self-aware and into health and into you know holistic health and being self-responsible and I know that sometimes we realize we're doing something like that and we can't help it and then comes in the layer of like guilt and shame that you've just acted in a way that really you know is not the best version of yourself. So a bit of a um, reverse engineer of trying to eliminate how frequently those moments happen 
is emptying the emotional cup regularly. And this doesn't have to look like an hour-long meditation, journaling session, crystal bowl, sound healing. I mean, again, I love all those things. And also, I know that that's just not what every, it's like, that's not everyone's vibe. It's also not what everyone has time for, particularly during the work week. However, what I am going to suggest are some things that can help. So my favorites are shaking. So yes, just as it sounds like standing up and just literally shaking your body. So it, this again, is just doesn't have to be long, you know, 20 to 60 seconds. I mean, shake for as long as you want. I won't stop you. However, it doesn't have to be long in order to be effective. And often once you, you, you start, you'll either feel like, yep, that's enough, or you'll have this desire to just kind of keep going like something more is there. So that's one thing. The other thing is screaming, which I've spoken a lot about on the podcast. So you can do screaming into a pillow. You can scream underwater if you're like a regular ocean swimmer or you have a ginormous bathtub that you happen to be in most days. Um, Or car screaming, which is probably the most practical for those of you who are you know, dropping kids off to work, driving to work, dropping kids off to work. Hopefully I do not support child labor. (laughs) That's not what I meant. Dropping kids off to school, driving yourself to work or um, running errands or whatever it may be. And often the first thing that comes up when I say that to people is, oh, I, you know, I was going to try it, but it just felt weird. And that's okay. You like, we're all a little bit weird, right? And absolutely no one is going to know that you're screaming in your car. If you're feeling a little bit nervous or apprehensive about it, then one tip I have for you is put on some music, um, love me a good love ballad, um, or if you're into like heavy metal or angry music, that can also work and scream while the you know, music is playing in the background. So it doesn't feel like it's just you and your screen, which there's nothing wrong with, by the way. I just know that it can feel a little bit intimidating and it doesn't matter how it sounds. The other thing that you can do if you're not up for screaming just yet uh, is to just like grunt and groan and moan and exhale and make as weird sounds as you can. In I often do this in the car um, and I find that to be really helpful. You can also do some kind of really strong breathwork practice. So not necessarily the breathwork practices that we're using to calm ourselves down. This is more about really like exhaling strongly and getting rid of energy rather than it being something where we're trying to calm ourselves down. We will get to that later. Uh, And the final thing that I really love to do is actually dance and not choreographed dance or you know, I'm really looking good dance. Just, it's almost like a mixture of dancing and shaking in the one, you know, grab a Spotify playlist, pop it on and just dance. However it is that your body is asking you to move. And then I think that's probably it. I was going to say pillow bashing as well. However, I feel like you've probably found one in that list. So make sure you do it. And don't wait until you feel at your limit in order to do it. Make this something that's just integrated through your day. And that's why I said probably something that is piggybacking on a habit you already have, like screaming while driving or dancing while cooking or, um, you know, shaking while you're waiting for the, for the kettle to boil. Just try and integrate it into your day already rather than making a whole nother thing about it. 
And then moving on to the third and final tip that I have for you, which this is definitely not an exhaustive list because we could talk about diet and supplements and alternative therapies and so many other things that can support you in the road to avoiding burnout. However, I needed to keep this short and sweet. So I'm going with my top three that I feel probably aren't as regularly spoken about. So the third one I'm going to speak to is exercising cyclically. So what I mean by that is if you are someone who has a menstrual cycle, this is relevant for you. And what this means is planning your exercise volume and intensity around the different parts of your cycle. So in the first half of our cycle, so you know the the first part of your cycle is basically from when you are bleeding until when you ovulate and then the second half of your cycle is from after ovulation until your next period. So generally speaking, we as females, um, in my experience working with many of you uh, for many years and having a little bit of a understanding of how our hormones work as well, we feel our best from an energy and yang kind of perspective and our most resilient selves physically uh, in the first half of our cycle. Everyone's different in how they feel during their actual bleed, and I'd encourage you to just be intuitive with that. But generally speaking, in the first half of your cycle, you're going to be able to tolerate more intensity, more sessions. You often recover better, and um, it's a good time to, for example, if if high-intensity interval training works for you, that would be a time you would put it. If you're someone who's into running, maybe your longer runs or your harder runs go there. If you are into lifting weights, it's a time when you'll be able to handle maybe an extra day or uh, an extra set or stronger or like more reps or heavier weights on the bar. And then when we are after ovulation and in that kind of one to two week lead up to our period, often our exercise tolerance, um, how quickly we feel tired and the amount of volume, intensity, et cetera, that we can recover from and still feel good from is decreased. And a lot of us, I know, fight that and just try and push through anyway because, well, I already, you know, I always go to the gym three days a week or four days a week or I always do X amount of runs or whatever it might be. And therefore, you know, if I if I don't do that, I'm, I'm missing it and I'm messing up my schedule. But we are not linear beings. In case no one's told you or you haven't realized, we are much more complicated than that, beautifully complica- complicated And if you work with your cycle and with your hormones, you will find that you get far more out of the good times and feel far less exhausted, emotional, um, you know, depleted in the times when that might be happening at the moment for you. So to give you a practical example of how I do this at the moment, and I'm saying at the moment because... I'm someone who loves to experiment and change things up um, from time to time. So this is what is currently working for me and what I'm doing. So my exercise generally consists of lifting weights, surfing, skating, um, walking, and 
that's probably the main things that I do at the moment. Occasionally I will run, um, but I'm not doing it at the moment. So let's just leave that one out. So what I tend to do is in the first couple of weeks of my cycle, I generally speaking, my, my surfs and my walking stay pretty consistent because I find I can just naturally adjust the intensity at which I'm doing those while I'm doing them, but I always do them because I find them very restorative. But what I make more of, I guess, a strategic and um, change to would be the weight training and resistance training side of things. So usually in the first half of my cycle, I will lift weights about four days a week. And in those four days a week, I will often be like willingly and intentionally pushing my limits a little bit more. So trying to lift heavier than I did the session before, if that's feeling good, trying to uh, make sure that I complete all the sets on my program. Um, And that's something that often feels still stretchy, but very achievable and good. And I recover from it well. In the second half of my cycle, uh, and definitely in the week leading up to my period, I usually drop back a session and I also tend to drop back a set. So as an example, I might usually be doing four sets of a certain exercise. I would drop it back to three and usually I would decrease the weight that I'm putting on the bar or on the machine or whatever it might be that I'm using. So You can still implement this and integrate this into your day if you are not someone that necessarily uses resistance training or weights training as your form of exercise. There's always ways to modify intensity um, of a session, even if it doesn't involve weights. And so I think that's probably one of the most important things that in the second half of your cycle, you're modifying either intensity or duration um, or frequency. So that generally speaking, your overall volume or training load is being reduced in that second half of your cycle. And what I find that does for me is that instead of me being able to follow a certain exercise regime for a few months and then being like, holy shit balls, I need time out. I'm so exhausted from this. I just need to walk and do some yoga for a few months to recover it allows me to actually have that to be a really sustainable, healthy, fulfilling way to exercise year round because I've honored the natural rhythms of my energy, of my mood, of my recovery. And I relish and love the high volume, you know, weeks and output just as much as I relish and honor and appreciate the times when that volume is reduced. And when I do practice that quite cyclically, it it feels like to me then that I almost have like an appreciation of the exercise when I go back to it more strongly. And I find that, again, it's just so much more sustainable. And you can also extend this into other areas of your life in terms of this cyclical living. And perhaps that's another chat for another episode But what I mean by that is, you know, basically just trying not to move against your natural rhythms and try and move with them. You know, for a lot of you listening, I know that most of you um, are females and that, 
we are operating within a very masculine world that is very linear and doesn't necessarily honor and celebrate this. But to that, I say, fuck the society and system and what everyone else is doing. And let's lean into actually what works for us. What do I know to be true for my body? And forget about what everyone else is doing. Because at the end of the day, it's only your body and your mind that you have to be with 24-7. And there's always going to be other ways to do things, other opinions, things that work for other people. And I think that often we spend far too much looking at what everyone else is doing and thinking that the answer is out there. And if more of us turn inwards and actually start to trust ourselves and practice building that self-trust and, you know, strengthening our intuition and following it, we would be far more energized, content, free, and just have a better time. So I am going to wrap that up there. If you have any additional tips that you'd love to share, I'm all about hearing them. I think we could all learn more ways to avoid getting into a state of burnout. I'm already thinking about of about 5 billion that I could also just ramble off right now, but I'm going to not do that and leave some things up my sleeve for later. Now, before we officially wrap up, I promise we're getting there, I just wanted to make sure that I reminded you that if you haven't already, then make sure you come over and join us in the Holistic Health Collective membership, which is mine and Amy's membership that we like to describe as your very own Dr. Glue Google for all things holistic health, but with less, you're definitely going to die vibes and much more resources, fun, support, community, connection um, with us and also like-minded women. So if you haven't already checked it out or have no idea what I'm talking about, some of the things that you can expect in the Holistic Health membership is weekly Q&As with us, monthly holistic health challenges, bonus recipes and handouts and resources, recommendations of products or podcasts or books or services or whatever it is that we are loving in the wellness industry and also just the ability to connect with people who are on the same page on the on the same journey and it just makes life more fun less lonely and more inspiring so whether you're new to the holistic health journey or a seasoned enthusiast we would love to have you with us and if you want to check it out or join it is super affordable $29 a month and you can do that via the link in the show notes or you can just have a look in either mine or Amy's Instagram bio and there is a link there as well. So have a delightful rest of your day or night and we can't wait to be back in your ear holes together next week. You've been listening to the Holistic Health Podcast with Amy and Nat. If you loved this episode, then make sure you share it on Instagram and give us a tag. If you'd like to help us spread the holistic health message far and wide, then we would also so appreciate it if you left a rating and review. This helps us more than you know. And don't forget to come and say hi over on Instagram. See you next week.